The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V. That's A-A-F-M-A-A.com slash LL, the number four, V or clicking the link in the show notes. Hey guys, welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who have gone before you. My name is Lori Norris, and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm bilingual, but instead of a foreign language, I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the U.S. military. I've used this unique skill to help thousands of veterans, and today I want to help you navigate the hidden opportunities and unseen risks you may face during your own transition from the military. This is the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think my general rule is passion over experience. A passionate veteran will do fantastic. If they come in loving what they do, maybe, you know, for me in particular, say they've been a gamer their whole life and they really are excited to work in games. They are quick to learn. They come in with an open mind. Um, Where I see veterans struggle is when they come into the workforce believing they're an expert and where they worked and what they did in the military um, is enough. And they almost have this closed mindset where this is how things should be. And it kind of ruffles their feathers when, and they seem to believe that tech is doing it wrong and this is the right way to do it. And you can't tell a billions dollar company that they're doing it wrong. (laughs) On today's episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, I'm excited to welcome Jerry Prohaska. Jerry is a veteran of both the video game industry and the U.S. Navy. He transitioned from the U.S. Navy in 2000, and his time in the Navy was spent as a nuclear engineer and plank owner aboard two carriers. Today, Jerry is an entrepreneurial executive in the high-tech industry with deep experience building collaborative cultures and high-performing teams. From Riot Games to his own studio, Ganymede Games, he's often found at rapidly scaling organizations where he's driving results. Jerry's recognized as an inspiring leader focused on empowering teams and colleagues to accomplish fun, rewarding work and delivering strong business value and results while also not taking himself too seriously. If you are interested in a career in high tech, you are going to want to listen to what Jerry has to say in this episode. However, I believe that everyone can learn from his viewpoints on communication, adaptability, and pursuing your dreams, no matter how far reaching those goals may be. 
This is the first of what I hope will be many episodes that highlight a veteran who has done something extraordinary, such as launching a gaming organization like Jerry has. Welcome to the show, Jerry. I'm excited to have you here today with us on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be here. Thanks. So when I read through your bio, and we know that you transitioned out of the Navy in 2000, and you've had kind of an interesting career trajectory. So tell me a little bit about how you went from being a nuclear engineer in the Navy to the CEO of a gaming development organization. That sounds like a long path, but take us through that process. Yeah, to be fair, that path covers, you know, a couple decades, but uh, (laughs) I got out of the Navy, uh, had finished my undergraduate and some other courses and decided, you know, I was gonna go to grad school, apply to a bunch of different ones. Um, But the one I wanted to go was in my hometown of Chicago, kind of born and raised in Chicago. And uh, yeah, so I attended the University of Chicago for graduate school and while there, I was pretty quickly picked up by Accenture, uh, first as a contractor working with them and spent almost a decade there. And I would say at Accenture, I really kind of sharpened my uh, sort of business skills, learning and development, internal and external projects from Microsoft and things like that, but also uh, a lot of internal projects working with HR, learning and development, leadership development. And while at Accenture, I started getting involved in uh, something that was coming out and starting to get big, which was called eSports. It was playing video games competitively for large prize money. And that's where Riot Games found me. They they needed a head of talent, uh, someone to be their director of people, which is, you know, in a tech company, we don't like to use the word human resources. So we often, you know, you have your chief people officers, director of people, those sort of titles. So I did that and, That was probably the highlight of my HR career because two of the three years I was there, uh, we managed to land on Fortune's top 100 places to work. So I was very proud of that. And from there, I wanted to really kind of check the next box, which was uh, getting international experience uh, as an executive. So I spent some time overseas uh, with Wargaming a company that started originally in Belarus. They have a wonderful founder story of Victor Kisley and his family. And uh, they eventually moved the company's headquarters to Cyprus. And so I got to live there for three years. Um, And while there really saw uh, not only my own HR skills grow, but I also took on a lot of publishing responsibilities. And the big one was uh, running the third party publishing uh, part. That's where other game makers want us to publish their games for us, usually on our platform. It was there that I got to probably talk to well over 200 developers, see their projects, see what they're working on. And I started to notice that there were a couple opportunities as well as um, a big wake up call into the cost of development on the West Coast of the United States compared to what you pay in Europe. And I got the idea we can make games for underserved audiences and we can do it in a cost effective location. And that's how we ended up in New Mexico. And that's kind of the journey from the Navy to here. (laughs) Okay. All right. So when you and I talked before, one of the things that you pointed out was the differences in culture in the tech industry, like the structure and the culture in the tech, high tech workplace. Um, As a veteran, when you entered that high tech world, you know, I know you'd already been through Accenture and and kind of got your, your feet wet. How did you adapt to that? What are some of the things that, that you face the challenges in the culture and the structure? Yeah, I mean, I think I think when, it, when you're in the professional services, 
you're kind of in the mode of, of selling yourself and your team's products. Or in the military, usually very mission focused, mm -hmm. getting things done. But when you come to the high tech world, especially if you come in as a leader, you know, I, I think part of my challenge was I came in at, you know, at sort of an executive level into the game industry, and it was a very rapid onboarding process. But I'd say the big differences are, um, you know, if you love hierarchy, you're going to really dislike tech. Um, if, uh, you know, the organizations tend to be flat. And there's a good reason for that. Um, you know, tech companies hire the best, the brightest, they pay the most traditionally. Um, it's a hot industry. People come in with a lot of passion and uh, they don't require a lot of overhead or motivation. You know, what they need their leaders to do is empower them, remove roadblocks so they can get their work done mm -hmm. and help teams, especially cross-functional teams, work together in the most effective way. And for video games, that's taking artists and designers and computer engineers and getting them to work together uh, as a team, as well as working with other teams that are cross-functional uh, that are doing things to support, you know, a game's development or its publishing or uh, operating a live service if it's a game as a service type product. So yeah, that I'd say the biggest challenge is coming into a culture where you need to empower versus enforce mm -hmm. and you need to really uh, be there to remove roadblocks not crack a whip or deploy discipline or any of those sort of uh, approaches that sometimes get used in different military hierarchies so as you know as a leader in the military that's a completely different culture it's a completely different style of leadership you're a veteran you've hired veterans how have you seen veterans struggle in that tech you know, industry? Yeah, I mean, I think my general rule is passion over experience. Yeah. A passionate veteran will do fantastic. If they come in loving what they do, maybe, you know, for me in particular, say they've been a gamer their whole life and they really are excited to work in games, they are quick to learn, they come in with an open mind. Um, where I see veterans struggle is when they come into the workforce believing they're an expert, and where they worked and what they did in the military um, is enough. And they almost have this closed mindset where this is how things should be. And it kind of ruffles their feathers when, and they seem to believe that tech is doing it wrong and this is the right way to do it. And you can't tell a billions dollar company that they're doing it wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, you need to have some, some humility and you avoid, you know, uh, ego. To, to be successful. So I've seen it work and I've seen, I've seen veterans struggle. Most, to be honest, are pretty quick and adaptable, but occasionally the more senior the veteran is when they exit the, the workforce, you know, they've spent a long time in a, in a particular culture. They have to be not only willing, but uh, willing to do the work to adapt to a new culture. Okay. So would you say that that adaptability has been the biggest differentiator between those who have succeeded, who, have you, who you've seen succeed and those who haven't? Are there other uh, things? As a skill set, yes. But, mm -hmm. I, but I say it again, it, that has to be combined with a passion right. for the company that they want to work for, right? That company's mission and why they exist should really energize the veteran. They can't look at it as a job. So, you know, I think a lot of people are like, well, I'm a gamer. I can do gaming. It, it, and I think, you know, it's a, they, they believe that it's, 
an easy transition, right? So what advice would you give to those who are in the process of preparing the transition and maybe they are really passionate about gaming? Uh, first thing I would say right off the bat is yes, you can. Yes, you can come on work in video games. Yes, you can. Here's the great thing about games. Um, and, and I think this is true of a lot of creative workplaces. People who work in those workplaces love what they do and they love to talk to people about what they do. Um, you know, if you're an artist or want to be an artist, reach out to your favorite artist. And on, I mean, in today's social media world, it's impossible not to find someone that you're really looking for. There are a few odd ducks who avoid the, the social media space, but a vast majority are out there. And if they're not necessarily a lot on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter, a lot of artists will be on ArtStation. You'll find a lot of engineers spend a lot of time on websites like GitHub where they're writing code or collaborating with uh, their former colleagues or friends on, on small projects. All of those things are, are great you know, platforms. Those are excellent ways to reach out and, and build a relationship and get advice. Um, you know, you can't expect the, the, any transition program to prepare you for every career. That's why podcasts like this are so fantastic. You need to go out there and seek that extra information. And, you know, it's a little bit of a, a detective work. You've got to you know, maybe look at the credits in a video game you love, find out those names, Google those names, see if they've given any talks, listen to their videos, reach out to them. But that's how you get ahead and that's how you break into the industry. Okay, I think that's good advice. I love that you're like, yeah, you can do it. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think it, it just is an, a testament to networking, right? And like you said, building those relationships and reaching out to people. So we've talked about passion for gaming. We've talked about adaptability. What are some other really important skills that you think someone needs to bring to be successful in your industry? They have to have a hunger to have positive impact for the customer. And that's anywhere. Mm -hmm. Whether you want to work at Amazon or Facebook or in a video game company, how well do you want to make the customer happy? And part of that skill set is having empathy that you can put yourself in the shoes of different customers. Um, all of us are customers. We live in a very sort of consumerist sort of world. And so we spend times being consumers. We, we have opinions as consumers. When you go to work for a company, you better not turn off your consumer hat. You better <laughs> still be that consumer, think like a consumer, feel like a consumer, um, because you can, you can do some fantastic things uh, at the workplace when you have that deep empathy for the customer. Okay. When you think back to your Navy career, uh, you, know, you were a nuclear engineer, you're obviously not doing that anymore, but no. what part of that Navy career, as we see your great background, you know, with your aircraft carrier, and I know you worked on a carrier much of your career. So what part of that prepared you for what you're doing today, would you say? Yeah, yeah, great question. Two, two things. The first thing is continuous learning. Mm -hmm. Nuclear engineering in the U.S. Navy is um, baked into that program is continuous learning. That, you know, there is also something more, something more nuanced to learn about how to maintain, operate, or repair a nuclear power plant, especially on an aircraft carrier. And it's true of submarines and everything. So it kind of helps you prepare for a workplace where you're always learning, which if you're going to build the next video game, nobody knows what the next billion dollar video game is. You're going to learn as you go. Um, the second thing is system design. You know, we work on a lot of systems in the military. 
Uh, it gives us troubleshooting skills, an engineering sort of mindset. And that system kind of thinking is super valuable in any organization that you come into. So I would say those are the two biggest things to come out of nuclear engineering. Okay. So I saw some exciting news from your company recently. So thank you. Yeah, you yeah. That's the first game. Yeah. Finally, we and thankfully, the press picked it up. We got like <laughs> dozens of articles written. So we're excited. Yeah, knock on wood. Good first step. Well, tell us about what your company's up to now. Yeah, so we just announced our first game. It's a science fiction uh, brand new IP, as we say. It's a brand new universe called Xenotheria. Uh, we, we sort of announced our first game. We're working on our first game. Uh, we're just closing another funding round, which is exciting. So... You know, thanks to all the investors that have been on the journey so far, you know, you, you don't do this alone. And of course, most importantly, the team, you know, we just have a great tight knit team that's kind of putting their heart. It's, it is a labor of love. And one of the early comments in one of the major game websites, when you start to see players recognize that this is a labor of love and that the passion is in there, um, that feels rewarding and it energizes the team. So we're off to a good start. You know, the road is always long. And uh, when you're building a company, you're not just focusing on your current projects. We have mm -hmm. uh, two other prototypes we just completed. So we know what our next three games are going to be. Um, but, you know, you, you kind of take one step at a time. And, <laughs> and right now it's getting the first Xeno Theory game out there. Okay. Can you, can you give us any insider info as to when you think that'll be launched and ready to play? End of the year. End of this year. Okay, got it. So I, I really like and you your... can sign up if you're if you are a gamer and okay. you like role playing games and you're looking for something new, you can go to xenotheria.com and sign up. Okay. I will put that link in the show notes. Thank you. I, yeah, I, I'm betting there are some people that don't know how to spell Xenotheria. So we will absolutely, yeah. <laughs> definitely put that in there. I was just uh, I was just going to the website myself and thinking, you know, I've written Xenotheria probably thousands <laughs> of times. Uh, but yeah. We're, we're excited. I'll give everyone a hint. It starts with an X. All right. That's so right. there you go. <laughs> Not a Z. All right. But I will put that link in the show notes. So you can sign up to do, um, to, to do a preview. Is that right? Yeah. You sign up, you'll get our newsletters. You'll get to start to see what the direction we're going. You'll get videos as time goes on. And then a select few of you uh, will probably be selected to come and be early testers in the game. So you'll be the first players to, to play the game. When we make games, we like to collaborate with, and try to always say the example, if you've got a friend of yours who spends a lot of time, let's say, uh, making jewelry, they're probably the first person you're going to go to when you think about buying jewelry. And if they don't like something, you're probably going to trust them. Well, something very similar is true in gaming. If uh, we can't get the role-playing game players to love it, then, then we're making a mistake. So we're going to be looking for those uh, hardcore or passionate role-playing game players to mm -hmm. be the first ones to come on board and give us feedback. Okay, excellent. So I've seen some of the early artwork and it looks really cool. And I definitely would recommend you check it out. So I really like your main character's name, by the way. So we won't we won't yeah. give that away, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got... you got to go to xenotheria.com to figure out what his name is. So that's correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's uh, we we keep joking. Uh, we didn't intend to name any of our characters, but over time, when you're crafting them, they kind of evolve on their own. So yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. 
That's his pet name internally, huh? Maybe. <laughs> we decided to let it go external as well. We'll see what ends up in the final version, but right now that's that's how we refer to them lovingly. Okay, excellent. All right. Well, just as we wrap up today, I always ask veterans who've been through this process of transitioning out of the military, what were some of the lessons that you learned, maybe some of them the hard way, that you'd like to share with the people listening today? The first lesson is to not feel that anybody walks out of the military completely ready to transition. Mm -hmm. Be kind to yourself, right? It, it, and try to pursue what you love. That pursuit may mean you need to go to school. Maybe you wanna work in the medical field and you need to go to medical school, do that. There's a lot of programs for veterans out there that will help you. If you wanna work in tech, reach out to people working in tech, build that relationship, right? Um, you know, there, I always say there's, there's a couple of ways to network, either use social media and reach out um, or go to university and make contacts through, you know, college or university. Mm -hmm. The best ways to do both if, if you can, right? Like really work an entire network, meet people. They're gonna be interested in talking to you. They're at least gonna say, thank you for your service. <laughs> so, you know, you've got that in, use it. That would be yeah. my very sort of second and most important. Mm -hmm. And then third, learn about different company cultures. When you're interviewing for a job, learn from their website, try to find out what their mission, their values are, and what the company culture is. It will help you when you make that first, take that first job setting yourself up for success, that you're working in a place that has the values and the culture that you want. And, you know, I think a Google, a simple Google search will help you find a ton of resources and learning about companies' cultures. Okay. And I think just the, even industry cultures, right? As you mentioned, right? With the high tech being so different. Um, I think the only way you're going to learn that is by networking, informational interviews, reaching out to people, asking questions. Agreed? And I'm glad you, you brought that so that because I want to bring up one thing too. Every industry has good and bad parts of its culture. Mm -hmm. In video games for a long time, we've had trouble giving, let's say, for example, women uh, a seat at the leadership table. That doesn't mean there aren't women who are doing a great job and working in great organizations. But if you're a woman thinking about working in tech and you've read bad things, but you love, uh, you know, software development or engineering, don't let that ever detract you. Uh, if anything, you have an opportunity to be a, a future leader uh, because you know all of us are thinking our customers are diverse and we need to make sure that our, our teams are diverse uh, and that they have deep empathy for our customers. So you know, don't let your own insecurity or fear or something you read hold you back from pursuing what you want. Go out there, connect with people and you'll find good positive role models who can help you navigate and get started. I think that's great advice. So I uh, have firsthand knowledge that there are some very avid girl gamers out there. So <laughs> that's right. So I appreciate you coming on and talking to us about the differences in the tech industry. I think there's, you know, some people may not even know that there are such different structures hierarchies, cultures in other industries. So I know that you are very busy. You've had a, a big week this week and I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come on and share some information with us. You're welcome. And thank you so much for having me on as well as doing this valuable podcast. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Lessons Learned for Vets. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help smooth your path during your transition from the military, then I have done my job. If you haven't already, please click subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, leave us a review and share our podcast with your friends. Connect with me on LinkedIn and join the Lessons Learned for Vets Facebook community to tell me what lesson you learned today. See you next time.